nothing left to give for the shape that we were in. And just when all hope seemed lost, love opened the door for us. He said, To the young and to the older, all who hunger or who thirst, all the last and all the first, all the paupers and the princes, all who fail, then forgive, all who dream and all who suffer, all who loved and lost another, all the chained and all the free, all who follow, all who lead, anyone who's been let down, all the Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? It's good. If you uh, want to stand up and pray and sing some songs of God. Father, we love you. We're here for you this morning. Um, we give this time and our hearts and minds to you. Pray that we have open ears and hearts so that you speak to us today. Pray for Leonard for clarity of bringing the word and for just all of us to be open to it love you we praise you we're here for you god we pray for everything going on today for the service for the youth for the groups that meet for the, the kids bash tonight god just uh, let it be a great day for you and your kingdom uh, we love you and here for you god amen
Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Oh, his love for me. Who the sun sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child. At last he has ransomed me, his grace runs deep. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Yes, he died for me. The sun sets free, always that is the reality. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what anybody says. Uh, that's what God says about those who have made Jesus their Lord and Savior. And for those who haven't, God is saying, I want you to become my child too through him. Well, uh, let's have a seat if you would. I got a few announcements, but I want to dismiss the kids first. So um, if you're a kid, and I'd say a kid at heart, uh, but then, then a lot of you be leaving as well, because there is a little bit of arrested development in this church, and I'm probably part of the problem as well. But um, uh, that said, I just want to offer a few announcements. We've, of course, are kind of 
getting things going again within the church, which has been great to have events. We had a good uh, gathering last night for Attila and Jackie, wonderful. And uh, we have a youth bash uh, this evening uh, from 4 to 7. If you're looking at the screen up there, it'll tell you exactly what I just told you. So you heard it and you saw it, and so now you need to, to be it with us, right? Okay, so uh, hopefully you can join us tonight. Um, if not, be praying about us just reaching out to kids because we're going to have a lot of stuff going on, bounce houses, games, um, and just lots of, uh, lots of stuff that hopefully will be good for families. All right, secondly, we have um, uh, a corn roast on Saturday, August 28th. So if you're like me and you're not your calendar challenged, it will be a week from yesterday, next Saturday. And so here's another challenge. Uh, if you have a calendar challenge, that's one thing, but here's a fun one. Bring your corniest corn joke with you. If you can't make up a joke about corn, then just bring your corniest joke, okay? Uh, and that'll be part of the fun, too, because I don't know if you're going to get a prize or not, but maybe, but probably not. Uh, so we'll just, uh, we'll just assume that the reward will be in the telling of the joke and the laughter that ensues. Uh, last one, we have um, the Joy Club is reuniting. It's kind of like the Blues Brothers, you know, the band's getting together. So kind of excited about that because, uh, man, there's a lot of adventures that uh, we've taken over the years with those guys a lot of stuff you just can't share in church. No, just kidding. Um, it's, it's just a wonderful time. And basically, the Joy Club uh, generally tr attracts people that are retired and are looking for something fun to do with other people. And, uh, but you don't have to be. You can take a day off work and say, hey, you know what? I, I got something really important to do today, Mr. Boss. And they'll let you go, I'm sure. Um, so... Uh, Reconvening September 8th. So uh, that is all the announcements. I'd like to welcome uh, everyone here and everyone online, and hopefully everybody's having a blessed weekend. Um, just want to move into our prayer time uh, for a minute, and in the process, uh, just kind of gather any updates on anybody. I know that there's a few that we've been keeping in mind quite a bit. One of them has been Gail Hill, who's going through chemotherapy, and I think she started her first treatment last week. Uh, so she's on the recovery side of that. Uh, we also want to pray for um, this, young, this young boy, Apollo, uh, who's, um, who's uh, uh, connected um, uh, through uh, Jesse and, and, and Dave, who are, who are members here. And we want to uh, pray as well for um, just people that have been dealing with COVID. I know there's a couple of people in the church that, are, that have had to, had to deal with that. And uh, anybody that you know that perhaps is, is uh, dealing with that, my, my sister and my brother-in-law, they're, they're recovering from that right now. So, I mean, it has made its rounds, and we just want to pray for God's protection, God's healing. Um, anything else? Anybody have anything that you want to bring? Uh, Kathy? Okay, your sister's minister we prayed for last week. Okay, so that's good. 
What was his name again? I don't have my notes up here. Okay, Pastor Marvin. Okay. Okay, anyone else? Diane? So pray for Diane Rude's family. Okay. All right. So we want to pray for them um, with the, the issue of suicide in, in, in play. And on, on that note, um, we do have resources for anybody who is dealing with that in some way, or we can certainly help direct if that's the case, because I've heard about that issue more than I care to. Uh, so pray for Diane's family. Anyone else? Anybody got anything? Okay. Well, there's a couple of hands in the back. I think Melissa? Oh, Carissa. Okay. Sorry. Oh, okay. So you have, like, in stereo, prayer request. We'll let you do it, Kathy. Okay. Pray for Melissa Collar having surgery tomorrow. All right. Anyone else? Okay, yeah, I guess it wasn't the same one. So pray for the Wall family. Um, what's Tracy's husband's name? Steve. Yeah. Okay. Steve Wall. Okay. And of course, they just lost their 33-year-old son, so they're they're pretty devastated right now. We're gonna keep them lifted up. Okay. What's her name? Okay, so pray for Beverly, who's going through um, uh, basically a kind of chemotherapy or a, trans, uh, a blood uh, transfusion issue. Okay, if I understand the medical terminology correctly. Okay, okay. All right. Well, with that said, let's go ahead and just take this time before the Lord. Father, as we just bow before your throne, we are grateful that you are always faithful, that your vision for us has always been to incorporate us into your family. And the only shortcoming is our unwillingness to see the great love that you have for us, to see that through a bloodstained cross, your son has 
made the way for the curse to be broken that is over our lives and even over this whole world. And you have given us, Lord, something new that changes everything about our lives in ways that words can't even begin to describe. We thank you, Lord, for forgiveness of sins. We thank you, Lord, for reconciliation with you and the process of reconciliation with each other. We thank you, Lord, that you have enabled us to experience the life-changing power of your Holy Spirit that causes us to carry on and think and behave in ways that we wouldn't normally do without you. And we thank you for helping us to become less toxic in our humanity and more like people filled with grace. And we want to be those people, Lord, as a church. And it, it is a struggle for sure. And so we ask that as we're challenged each week and each day by your abiding presence through your word, through your spirit, through your speaking to us through the lives of other faithful people, that you continue that process of making us more and more into the image and likeness of your son through all the things that you've already accomplished. And I pray, Father, for those who are listening today or here today who don't know you as the Father that we pray the Lord's Prayer to, who is the one who sent his Son, our Lord Jesus. I pray that if there's anyone here that does not know the Lord Jesus or anyone online, that you would reveal yourself to each person that uh, we're thinking about right now. Lord, as we lift up our prayer concerns, we just ask that you be with Gail Hill and that you sustain her in your strength as she overcomes uh, this battle with cancer. We pray for Diane Rood's family that has experienced this tragedy. And we ask, Father, that you just surround them with your grace and mercy. We pray for the Wall family. We just ask, Lord, that you would be with Steve and that you help him to heal. And the burden that he and Tracy have right now I just is unimaginable. So just send your ministers of mercy to them and just show your love to them, Father. We pray as well for, um, uh, for uh, Pastor Marvin and just ask that you would give him an opportunity for a second chance at life and at ministry. We pray that as we um, just lift these that we've mentioned and, um, and others as well before your throne, that you would minister, you would heal, you would be the great physician that we need in our time of distress. You would be the person that not only heals body, but mind and soul and spirit. I thank you, Father, that you have just proven yourself over and over faithful. And I pray that as we think about the stresses of the moment with the lives that we've mentioned, that they would see that as well. I just pray for anybody here that's carrying a burden, that they would find you coming alongside in some way, helping with that, whatever that struggle may be. And, and for those of us who have... Um, just need, need that encouragement. I pray that that would be something that we would hear today. And if there are places where you're challenging us, Lord, 
as hard as it is, we, we present ourselves to you to be challenged. And we thank you, Father, that as you work your good purposes in our lives, the outcome is just a, a wonderful working together of a mixed bag of things for good. So we surrender our lives to you in a spirit of hopefulness and anticipation, and we align our hearts and our minds with you as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. Would you pray with me now? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and just get to work here a little bit and get started on uh, the continuation, uh, the continuing drama, but the real drama that Jesus experienced uh, 2,000 some years ago whenever he uh, began the ministry in the region of Galilee, and then he is in a space that Luke describes as sort of the, the final lap. And it is fraught with all kinds of stuff that presents a challenge for him, his disciples. And as we go through this kind of story, we find that it resonates with our lives in ways that we didn't maybe perhaps see when we've read the Gospels from time to time. And I hope that's coming out in what we're, what we're doing uh, through reading the book of Luke. Uh, so if you have your Bibles with you, or if you want to just turn to the screen, uh, we're just going to jump right into it, and, um, and we're going to read what, uh, what, what Luke has to say. Beginning on chapter 10, verses 1 through 16, it says, After this, the Lord appointed... 72, and some translations have 70 others, and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out uh, laborers into the harvest. Go your way, behold, I am sending, uh, yeah, go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That sounds encouraging, doesn't it? Uh, carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no other on the road. So there's obviously a sense of urgency here. It's like the house is on fire. Grab just the only important thing and nothing else. And get out of the house. That's the kind of urgency that's behind these words. And whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace uh, will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house. Um, eating, uh, eating and drinking what they provide. So have you ever been to somebody's house and they provided something? And you're like, oh man, that's the worst. I can't believe that they gave us beets and liver. I'm just thinking of my own. 
He's saying, eat what's in front of you. There's something here that uh, I want to draw from as well, but just to kind of prod you a little bit on, on a couple of points that are coming out. So he said, um, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house wherever you, uh, whenever you enter a town and they receive you. Eat what is sent in front of you. Um, I don't know why I'm having a hard time seeing that. Heal the sick, and in it say to, uh, um, to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, even the dust of your, of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. And these are kind of his hometown places. For if the mighty works done in, your, in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which are not hometown places, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But, if, but it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon, again, not hometown places, than for you. And, and, and you, Capernaum, Will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. That's pretty harsh. And the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. All right, so we got a couple things going on here. Got 70 people going out, and the 70 in the, in the Greek language is of another kind, not even our own kind, like our own people. These are 70 people that are different. The ones that James and John said... We need to strike them down with fire, or we need, to, we need to not include them, or we need to tell them to go away or stop. And Jesus saying, no, send out 70 people of another kind. Right? This is important. And then as this is unfolding, he's looking at the people that he's sending, and he's saying, I want you guys to go into all of these areas that I'm getting ready to go into, but I want you to go before me, and I want you to tell people that the that I'm coming, and that the kingdom is arriving, and the thing that is long anticipated is about ready to unfold. And I want you to gather the significance of this by seeing that if you travel, travel so light that you basically have nothing, and you're totally dependent upon everybody around you. But at the same time, you will have unbelievable power to heal people and to declare that the kingdom is upon us. And so on the one hand, they have nothing, and on the other hand, they kind of have everything in terms of the power of God at work in them. And as this is happening, the disciples, of course, are, are kind of processing this and trying to figure out what is he up to? How, how is this really supposed to take shape? And in their own minds, having spent uh, two and a half years with Jesus, they're thinking, all right, there's a lot of stuff that's not making total sense, but we're on board because Jesus, we believe, knows what he's doing. And as he's making this commission, the reason why this is so critical is because it is kind of like things have been in preparation for a very long time to undo the mess that was created by humanity in Genesis 1 through 11. 
You know, you have the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden. And then you got all these people aligning together to build this awesome tower that has absolutely nothing to do with God. And defining a way of life that says, here's God over here and here's us. We don't need him. And God says, that is not my creational purpose for this planet. It's to be in a relationship with every human being on the planet in a way that the relationship works. And these guys over here at the Tower of Babel said, not interested. And there are 70 nations that are described in Genesis 10 that go to make up what we see in Genesis 11. And I just want to kind of show you this a little bit graphically, so hopefully you can kind of wrap your mind around what's going on here. Because in the, um, in the Old Testament, there are three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And then there are all these nations that came out of those three sons, 70 of them, that eventually began to assemble around the Tower of Babel and trying to define the story of their lives separately from the story of God. And God just said, enough. This is not working. I've cast people out of the garden. They didn't get it. I destroyed the, the earth with water. They still didn't get it. And now they're building a tower and uh, a unity and a sense of purpose that is totally secular. It is totally godless. And this is not working. My creational purpose was to define a space that had people and animals and plants and everything working truthfully, honestly, harmoniously in the way that it should. And it's just not working. And God in Genesis 12 says, Abraham, we got a lot of work to do. I want you to be a blessing for all the nations. And I want a son to come out of you down the road that will be the means by which that blessing will flow. Abraham has no idea what God is up to. Fast forward to the moment that we're in, and that son that was promised to Abraham to redo the mess and to reset it is none other than Jesus. And he has this vision that those people on the map are going to hear the good news of the kingdom, and hopefully they're tired of living in the mess. They're tired of living in the dysfunctionality of relationships that don't really work. They're tired of living in a spirit of hostility towards one another. They're tired of life just kind of being broken. And there are a lot of people, as Jesus begins to talk, that are saying, we are picking up what you are putting down. We get it. We are totally in alignment because we're just sick of that world that's been created without you. And if you look on the map, there are, there are 70 nations that were from Genesis 10 that built the Tower of Babel that are described as, you know, the green one is for Ham and the, and the, and the yellow one is for um, 
Shem and the other one's for Japheth. And you're like, I don't know who you're talking about, Pastor. Uh, those are the sons of Noah that basically created those nations. This is all in the mind of Jesus, and it's in the mind of God because it's representative of the people that inhabit his beautiful creation that is now groaning in pains of childbirth, waiting for the sons of men to embody God's creational purpose through the kingdom. So hopefully you got all that. And if you do, then the vision is this. Jesus is trying to create a following of people that will expand his influence through their lives into the lives of the people that inhabit that space and beyond. And so I'll put another graphic up there if we can, just real quickly. That's the next one. Jesus is beginning this journey from Luke chapter 951. It says he set his mind towards Jerusalem, his departure. And so he's winding his way down to Jerusalem. And in nine and it kind of ends in 938. At the beginning, he says, I want you guys, 70 of you, isn't that interesting, 70 people, to go and get the word out. Probably in a sense, symbolic of one representing each nation. Okay? So God knows what he's up to. And he's very patient in this plan. And he's saying, I want ambassadors to go out, and we're going to start symbolically with these guys. Because when it happens, it really is going to shake the world in ways that um, we've never seen before. Okay, so this is kind of the larger picture. And Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And as he goes, he sends out 70 to go before him and prepare the way. Now, at the end, when he gets down to Jerusalem, and we're going to be exploring those sermons, probably if we get through Luke at the rate we're going, that'll be right around 2032, okay? So um, when, when that day comes, and if you're still here, and you'll remember, um, he's going to send out some people to go before him, and he's going to say, go get a donkey, and I'm going to ride into town. So go get ready, because when I come in, I'm going to come in in what we call the triumphal entry. Okay, so all this is sort of in Jesus' mind. He sees it coming. He knows what he's supposed to do, but he's looking at the blank faces of the people that he has called to be a part of this. All they know is that they've hung around Jesus long enough to experience the fact that he is the real deal. And a lot of things that he said resonate with their own lives. And even when they're challenged and rebuked, they're like, yeah, that kind of made sense now that I think about it. I, I guess I get it. <clears throat> and Jesus is looking at them, and he's saying, all right, this is what we're doing. <clears throat> we're going to send you out, and you're going to announce a kingdom, and this good news is going to redefine humanity. All right, now maybe they weren't catching that, and maybe we, we aren't either. And I want it to be a sign that you are totally and completely dependent upon me and no one else. So don't take anything. It's an urgent mission, and you'll be provided for along the way. You ever know any people in the Old Testament that didn't take anything and God provided for them along the way, like for 40 years? 
And he gave them power, and they didn't know what to do with it, and they didn't handle it well, didn't end well. Jesus is saying that I did that very same thing in the wilderness when I was baptized, and I depended upon God for 40 days, and God provided at every turn. And he's saying, now I'm kind of re-dramatizing that experience for you. So I have given you a lot to chew on in describing this, but this is all percolating in Jesus' mind in a way that he's saying, eventually the light bulbs are going to come on for our people and they're going to get it, that God is going to change what happened at the Tower of Babel. So Luke writes about that. Okay, we're in the Gospel of Luke right now. And he writes a book called Acts. And so what I want to show you real quickly is another slide. Because Acts 2 at Pentecost is the reclamation. Actually, I got the slides backwards. Can I have the one right before that or the one? Yes, that one there. Okay, so in Genesis 11, 70 nations are gathered and God confuses their tongues and he scatters the 70. In Pentecost, which this whole story that Jesus has building is leading to that moment, and it's the reversal of that. And then at Babel, at the Tower of Babel, God scatters the people in judgment to the four corners of the earth. At Pentecost, the people who are scattered spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring into the covenant the harvest of the souls from every corner of the earth. So it's a regathering as he's scattering these people out to say, hey, there's good news. All right, so hopefully you're with me. And if you're not, you're like, Pastor, I'm so confused. Can you just help me? And I, I'll be glad to help you. Okay, so then there's, there's the other part of this. So we'll do the second slide real quick. So the language is used to promote a human agenda. Let's make a name for ourselves, not a name for God, but a name for ourselves. And in Acts 2, if, so my, my homework for you guys is just go read Acts 2 today when you're uh, finishing up with your lunch after you beat the Presbyterians to uh, uh, the eating place. Um, language is used as a sign to announce the mighty works of God. People are baptized in the name of Jesus, not in any other name but his. There's no other name. One results in disunity, and the other one results in unity. The common denominator is there can be no unity without Jesus being in the middle of it all. And that's really a choice that we have to make all the time. Our family's going to work if Jesus is in the, in the middle. It's not if we don't. Our church is going to work if Jesus is in the middle. It's not if we don't. We just revert back. And Jesus doesn't want that to happen. So Luke is telling the story, warts and all, to show us that even though they didn't get it totally at first, like they said, let's rain down fire on them. And Jesus says, no. The only thing you're going to do is just shake the dust off your sandals and go to the next town if they don't want to believe it. So Jesus is looking at his disciples. He's sending them out. And he's saying, eat what is in front of you. Now, mind you, these are Jewish people eating what's in front of them, partly in Samaria. I have a feeling 
I mean, I was at your house, your, your sister's house, and they had two hogs when I was there the first time, and then the other one was gone. And I'm like, well, how much per pound did they get per hog? Because somebody's really enjoying a feast right now. That's the way the Samaritans were. They went to the county fair, they bought their hog, and they cooked it. And these guys may have to eat some of that, and he said, eat it. Now, you may be thinking, well, that's weird. Pastor, why do you bring that up? But it's his way of saying that the things that were unclean before are not, are, are not unclean as much as the people who do not accept me as the Lord and Savior. Here's the big disappointment. Do you ever have disappointments? I know we bring them in every Sunday in some form. The big disappointment was I spent time in Galilee in Capernaum, in Chorazin, in Bethsaida. I did all of these powerful works to people in my hometown. Even the newspaper came out every time I showed up. It got to be that big of a deal. And yet, no one, or should I say, not many, were interested. And he says, woe to you. And I call that the judgment of missing out. Have you ever missed out on something and you're like, I made a bad decision. I, I said I wasn't going to go there or, or do that thing that everybody was saying, yeah, you need to come and do this. And I didn't. And then everybody had such a great time. And I was at home scrolling through YouTube. Or I was at home just thinking, Man, I'm missing out. Whatever the case may be, there are a lot of things that just by the mere fact that we say no to Jesus, we're saying yes to lesser things. And Jesus is looking at these followers and he's saying, you've got the best news that has ever entered into the universe, barring the creation of the universe. And that is, I'm out of great love, wanting to redeem and restore you. But it's kind of like a parent who loves her kids, and the kid says, I'm not going to do what you're telling me to do, and I'm just going to do what I want to do. Now, I get when they tell you that at one years of age, because you don't really understand it anyway, but when you get to be 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and they say, I don't want to go your way, it's so heartbreaking. Because a lot of us have gone through life far enough that we realize there are some good ways to do things and there are some not good ways to do things. And when you see your kids do things that aren't according to the good ways, you want to tell them, hey, you know what? You're going to wind up somewhere that you don't want to wind up. And you're going to wind up missing out. And Jesus looks at his people in his hometown area and says, the woe is... Did you know the word woe? You know where it came from? It's an onomatopoeia. I can say that in church. Um, onomatopoeia is, it's, it's the, the, the word is the sound. It's like, a, it's like a visceral woe. It's like, ugh. And it means that, ugh, we missed it. God doesn't really have to rain down fire on these guys because a lot of times just the consequences of making choices that are like the Tower of Babel people 
it just creates more confusion in your life because you didn't turn to God and trust in his ways. I heard it twice last week. Proverbs, was it 2, 5? 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and what? He will make your path straight. And that's what Jesus is essentially trying to tell everyone. He will make it right. Because without him, we're just broken human beings. Struggling, trying to figure it out. I mean, even his disciples, even though they were on track with him, a couple of them, James and John, they were, they were sort of addicted to the drug of anger. Like they're like, rain down fire on them. And anger can be pretty intoxicating. I don't know if you've ever experienced that or not, where you get into a mode with anger and it just feeds itself over and over. And you almost say, I kind of like that. And those guys were like that. And Jesus said, that's not the way it works here. It's about peace. You are to be people of peace. And the biggest thing that they were offering beyond the healings was that sense of peace. You ever felt that? That peace that passes all understanding? If you haven't, that's one of the great things about accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior because he basically is saying, I'm taking you out of the chaos of Babylon and I'm bringing you into the reality of the kingdom. You're going to be transferred from one space to another. And a bloodstained cross is the means by which that's going to happen. Because at the end of the journey, as it ends in, in, in Luke chapter 19, is a bloodstained cross. That says, and I told you that in Luke 9, that's where we're headed, to a cross. And that cross is going to change, is going to be the means by which this change is even possible. Because everybody on the planet has to come to a place where they recognize that there's no other way but Jesus. No other way. I mean, Jesus even said at the beginning, last week, those who accept you accept me, and those who accept me accept the Father. And there's no connection that we can have with the Father without Jesus. It just is not possible. Otherwise, you can paint up Babylon any way you like. It can be a skyscraper in New York, or it can be the city of Dubai. It can be one of those very beautiful, powerful places on the planet that have been constructed out of the energy of humanity without God. But you won't have peace. You won't really know joy. And you will still be disconnected from everything that God created you for. 
And Jesus said, the cross is the way. It breaks the curse. The evil one can no longer lay a charge against you because in me, I am innocent. I have been crucified as an innocent person, and he's guilty, and now he can't hold you if you're with me. And that cross is a way for you to say, I have made a mess of my life. Sins with a small s and sin with a capital S has so permeated my being that I need to surrender all of that to that bloodstained cross so that I can know forgiveness, the forgiveness of the Father that calls us back into relationship with him. All of this stuff Jesus has on his mind. And the takeaway today is, is, is kind of corporate. Because essentially, the 70 or the 72, however you want to say it, is kind of us. We're either going or we're sending people out. Because this good news is so important that it's been carrying on for 21 centuries and people have still been saying, I'm tired of living in Babel. I want to know God's peace. And I want to know him. And there are those of us who may be stuck, like the people in Jesus' hometown. And God may be saying to us, hey, you need to wake back up to your first love. You need to wake back up to Jesus. And you need to not just practice a, a religious ritual, which is something we are all vulnerable to. But you need to remember that every step of the way, your life is dependent upon me being at the center. And never forget that. And if that, he is not at the center, God is saying, step up your game and put him there. And maybe he's not even been there to begin with. And God is saying with doses of love that I can't even use words to carry the freight with to you, I want you in my family. I want you to say, I am a child of God, no matter what anybody else says. The world can hate on me even, but if I know that in your eyes I am beloved by you, that's all that matters. Because then I'm free to love a hateful world because he's alive in me. And there's a part of me that says, rain down fire. Jesus says, yeah, that's when you're living over here. But here, rain down the love of God in your life. Don't be a toxic Christian. So people look at you and they say, I don't want that. So maybe part of stepping up our game is also doing an evaluation. Am I a becoming person for other people to Jesus? And like the song says, they'll know you're really a Christian by your love. Well, this is kind of like one of those sermons. It's a sort of a two-parter. And we're going we're gonna to stop right there. And my challenge for you, I guess, is to ask the Lord, Lord, how close are you in my life? Am I keeping you closer or have I sort of become untethered and lost my way? And if he is close, 
My challenge for the timid is to say, Lord, help me to step into a space I've never stepped into before. It's beyond my comfort zone. But it's a space that has your leading. It's your path. And God will definitely push you into the pool like he's pushed many of us. I'll just conclude by telling you a kind of a funny story. Maybe some of you have heard, heard me say it. But whenever I was uh, in a conversation with Jack Austin for this, uh, the, this role, who was my, my predecessor, didn't know Jack from, from anybody. And I just called him up and I said, um, I hear you're getting ready to retire and you're looking for somebody to help succeed you. Succeed you. And... Um, and he said, yeah. And he said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And I said, well, I, I grew up in Mattoon, Illinois. My home pastor was Bill Stark. And he's like, Bill Stark, what? And, you know, I'm in Illinois. He's in Ohio. And he's like, I know Bill Stark. I know Bill. And you'd hear Jack say, I know Bill. And I'm like, you do? He's like, yeah, he used to be my pastor. And I'm like, no way. This is just not happening. And I'm like, yeah, he's my pastor. He's the one who pushed me into the deep end of the pool and said, oh, by the way, I know you're just starting Bible college, but I found a church that needs you to preach for them. So I told him you would. And I told that to Jack, and Jack just laughed because he said, yeah, he told me the same thing and then pushed me into the pool as well. And for whatever reason, swim lessons or not, God helps you to learn to swim. And I, I have no regrets. It's not been easy, but I have no regrets. And, I, and I'm honored to follow somebody like Jack, and I'm especially just find it overwhelmingly cool that we both are kind of like sons of another Apostle Paul. I mean, those are the just one of a million interesting things that happen when God is orchestrating everything. It's really an invitation into the adventure if you're, if you're paying attention. And some people hear it, and some people go, when the dots connect, whoa, I don't want to hear that sound from any of us. I want all of us to be together forever in his space. The end. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we know that everything that you have done is part of the grand orchestration of a father who patiently has worked through time and space to reveal you to us. And for 21 centuries, you have been working as well through time and space and faithful people so that we might receive the blessing of the good news of Jesus, that we might receive forgiveness and reconciliation and transfer out of the dominion of the evil one and into your wonderful kingdom and into your family. Lord, there is nothing more important on this planet except for that process to occur in every life. And there are a lot of important things on this planet, Lord, I know. But that is the one thing that we can't miss. So I pray for everyone here 
that there have been eyes to see and ears to hear the good word that has come out of the Gospel of Luke. Work on our hearts, Lord. In between now and next Sunday, just show us, Lord. Bring things to the surface that we need to see and deal with and be honest about so that in the end, we might know your great salvation and we might live in your peace. And we thank you, Lord, for being with us this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as Leonard uh, was speaking this morning, at first, uh, in the very first verse that he was reading to us, he talked about uh, Jesus sending the 70 out to prepare the way for him. Well, as I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the pew trying to prepare my communion uh, uh, meditation or whatever this morning, I, I start to think about uh, preparation. You know, teachers, are, teachers and kids are preparing to go back to school. Um, Sundays, I prepare to go back to work on Monday. Uh, we all have some form of preparation. You know, some people can get by without preparing very much. Um, and uh, I, I'm not one of those people. I, I like to be prepared. Uh, and then Leonard kind of blows my story up and, and, and talks about <laughs> basically being thrown into something he wasn't prepared for. And... Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's good. That's good. But I guess the moral of the story is right now, this is the time of communion. And this is the time where we need to prepare our hearts to, to speak with God, to basically prepare for the week ahead, for uh, remembering Jesus Christ and uh, his sacrifice for us. Basically, just right now, as, as you sit there and as everyone prepares their little communion cups, prepare your hearts as well uh, for, for this time. So with that, I'll, I'll ask a blessing upon this communion. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that uh, he died on the cross for us to save us from our sins. Uh, Lord, we ask your blessings upon this cup and this loaf that it might nourish and strengthen our bodies. In your son's name, amen. like to understand what this is because great is thy faithfulness oh god my 
Have a nice day. Don't forget to bash tonight. If you're a volunteer, be here at 3 o'clock. Otherwise, we'll see you next week, hopefully.